And it is Denver Sports tonight on this Tuesday night in the Mile High City. He's James Merrillat. I'm Will Peterson. James, it's game night. It's Matt Ishbia revenge night. We've got conduct advisories from NBA League security all over the courtside seats at Ball Arena. Wait, what? Oh, we got him, baby. What does it tell you? Don't uh, grab the ball and play keep away? It is reminding how to be a good fan, something Matt Ishbia was not. He's now villain number one in this series. Those uh, those little flyers are always there, by the way. During NBA games in all NBA arenas, every fan is required to comply with the NBA's fan code of conduct. This is particularly important for fans like you with seats in close proximity to the players on the court. Fans who act inappropriately will not be tolerated and may be subject to ejection from the arena and or revocation of their tickets. I honestly don't think that situation would happen with a normal fan. I think the fact that it was the owner who wasn't starstruck by the fact that Nikola Jokic was there is part of why it happened. I think a normal fan, even with the visiting team, would be like, yeah, here's the ball. Like, I just don't... Like, if you were in that situation, I, I you know, if... Kevin Durant came up to you and wanted the basketball. I think you're just giving him up, giving him the basketball. You'd freeze up and give KD <laughs> yeah. the ball. Yeah. You'd be like, wait, okay, I'm on national TV right now. There's cameras pointed at me. I'm just going to hand the guy the ball. But if you're the billionaire owner of the Suns, you're not awestruck by another NBA player. I, I do think that led to it a little bit. I think this code of conduct, I think, is a, a bit much. Look, I've had criticisms in the past of... Nuggets fans for letting other teams' fans take over the building. They've been great about it in the in the postseason. But one thing I will say about Nuggets fans, Avs fans, Broncos, Rockies, whatever, they're not a bunch that embarrasses their city or embarrasses their team. Never. I don't think there's any chance tonight, or very little, no worry about Nuggets fans behaving inappropriately. Now, will they boo? And if they, if they show Matt Ishbia on the big screen, which I think they should... Will they boo him mercilessly? Yeah, but that's fine. That's harmless. They're not going to do anything stupid or silly. By the way, these conduct advisories that we led the show with, they are normally in the cup holders in front of the seat. Tonight, Ball Arena has put them visibly on every chair around the first three, four rows of the court. That is a change. It is part reminding Nuggets fans, James, and to me, part of this is trolling, and it's A++ trolling. We oh, remind, that I like. We remind our fans how to behave here in Denver. Phoenix needs to get its acts together because their owner was out of control in game four. Ultimate trolling would be Josh Kroenke reading it. Now, that would be trolling. Sitting courtside? Yeah. I, I, if it, it, the trolling aspect of it I hadn't considered, if that's part of what's going on, I tip my cap to the Nuggets. That's well done. Because they come directly from NBA League security. These are a memo. And I believe that the Nuggets are sending a message that, hey, we keep our fans in line. Phoenix, why don't you do the same? Matt Ishbia, we talked about this last night. He's been in the league, the ownership circle, for 15 minutes, right? couple of months, okay? I don't think Stan and Josh Kroenke have any loyalty to Matt Ishbia. He's not part of the family, right? This isn't like Stan Kroenke and Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones where they've respected each other because they've all done this for 25 years. Yeah, I'm with you so far. They don't know this guy from Adam. Yeah, he's the new guy. So this whole ownership decorum and it's one fraternity, homeboy ain't in the fraternity. I don't think the Kroenke family cares about this dude. Well, and he's not acting like somebody who's trying to endear himself to the long-standing, long-standing members of the fraternity, right? Like... First week in the frat, maybe you're not coming in and acting like you own the place, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. You should probably just try to lay low a little bit and see what everybody else is doing. So, 
Yeah, I mean, look, do I think the Cronkies and the Nuggets are going to take the high road tonight? I do. I think they are going to. I don't think if Matt Ishby is in the building, they're going to show him on the Jumbotron. Partially just to be classy, okay, and partially why incite the crowd, right? Especially if things aren't going well. What about during Suns free throws? Maybe. Or do you just put a picture of him up? Not he's live in the building. You just put a picture of him up on the board. Feels a little less menacing. Yeah. Threatening. But I, I don't think any of that's going to go on. What about a skit with Rocky? I, I could see something going down with Rocky sure. tonight in the ball. Like, put it all on the mascot to make fun of it, right? Yeah, and, he, he won't, and somebody in the, sitting in the front row won't give him the ball back. Or he won't give somebody the ball back, and then he, he, you know, flops back into his chair. Yes. Sure, I could see that. I mean, we saw Derek and Rocky do the the mountain lion hunting skit. Like, yeah. Rocky's in tune to what's going on. You better believe this is on Rocky's radar to somehow incorporate this into one of his entertainment routines this evening. Rocky's been there long enough and is big time enough that I think he can get away with being a little edgy. Yes. So maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, he's he's right there with Dinger for tops. <laughs> Rocky's got 100 times the clout that Dinger has. I, I, I do think maybe... Although what happened to Dinger on top of the dugout was very inappropriate, and I had Dinger's back in that instance. I do think maybe Rocky uh, will do something because he could get away with it. It makes it where it's a little more lighthearted when it's the mascot doing it. You know, he's been getting into it for years. He used to get into it with Charles Barkley. It was mm-hmm. all in fun when Barkley was a player. So maybe... Uh, I, I just think, though, I hope the Nuggets are much more focused on, hey, what adjustments do we have to make to go out and slow down Kevin Durant and Devin Booker? And I, I want to float an idea by you. Okay. I broke this out when I was on with uh, D-Mac and Derek about 445. I'm not saying you need to be dirty. But if it were me, mm-hmm. I'm going to see if Kevin Durant and Devin Booker want to keep taking those shots after I've knocked them to the floor three or four times. When's the last time you saw either one of them pick themselves up off the floor? A hard but legal foul. Yeah. You're not, uh, you're not clotheslining anybody on a breakaway. Booker's got a little bit of Anthony Davis in him where he kind of has to flail a little dramatically, but he's made so many shots and shot so few free throws that we haven't seen that that much. I just think you have to make life difficult on those guys. So there's multiple ways to do it. I would guard Devin Booker from baseline to baseline. Wait, if he's bringing the ball up, fine. If he's not, I still would be on him. I would make it very difficult for them to get open to get the basketball. Part of the issue has been the Nuggets have allowed them to get the basketball, and then at that point they're almost in their spot, or at least they're somewhere where they can get to their spot. you got to make it hard for those guys to get open. Make them work. Think about how, how much Jamal Murray has had to work to get to bring the ball up in the last four games against the Timberwolves, and in, particularly in the two games down in Phoenix in this series, and he's exhausted in the fourth quarter. So you have to, you have to do that to those two guys is make them work, you got to try to get them off their spots. You have to get physical with them. And you brought up a good point yesterday. If it's hard to get physical with them when Aaron Gordon gets two fouls in the first quarter and is having to sit, and he's in foul trouble all night. And he's getting the foul for breathing on Durant. Right. So Especially that second one was so ridiculous. That's where I look at it and say, hey, if I'm going to go deeper into my bench, then I got, if, you, if I go two more guys, I got 12 more fouls to use. I got 12 fouls between Peyton Watson and Reggie Jackson, who never stepped on the floor. Uh, up until this point in the series, other than garbage time in game one. Okay, let, let, let's let's put those to some use. And again, I'm not going to be dirty, but we've all played in those games where, hey, I had my, uh, you know, my arm hit four or five times, or I took a shot to the ribs four or five times. 
the next time I go up for a jump shot, I'm not just as free-flowing as I would have been. I'm not in my comfort zone. You have to make those those guys uncomfortable. One way to do that is with some physicality. I think you can do that and stay within the rules and, and, and not be dirty. That would be something I would I would look at if I was Michael Malone tonight. Well, and James, I wrote about it today at denversports.com. I mean, we are in the moment, right? This is one of the biggest series in Nuggets history. It's tied 2-2. It's now a best of three. And this team has to decide if this year is special or like so many other letdowns. Like the 2020 Western Conference Finals when they, Anthony Davis makes the rip-your-heart-out buzzer beater. Like the 2009 Western Conference Finals when he had two golden chances to get the ball inbounds in two different games and you couldn't do it. Uh, if you want to go in the way back, 1985, 1978, other teams that had championship aspirations in Denver. I mean, this team, are they going to be a footnote in Denver's tortured hoops history? Or are they going to be the ones that change the narrative? Tonight will go a long way. It is not hyperbolic to say, James, that if they lose tonight, they could be on vacation come Friday. If they win tonight, they're back in the saddle as one of the favorites to win the NBA title. This is the ultimate fork in the road game for the Nuggets. No, I I don't think that's being hyperbolic at all. I think that's hitting the nail on the head. If they lose tonight, I think they're losing in six. If they win tonight, I think they're winning in six. Uh, and, And I think that... Look, I don't remember the 1978 series. I was four years old. But I distinctly remember 1985. Of course, I remember 2009. 2020s always going to be a little different to me because it was, you know, in the bubble. But it was fun run. We hadn't had anything to watch in a long time. And it was And it, it was, was still great. rip your heart out. When, it da- was. when Davis made that shot, it was, it was a buzzkill. But every time they've had this good of a chance, and to me the only times they've had this good of a chance, even though they're only in the conference semifinals here, were the times where they went to the Western Conference Finals. And they were, it was disappointing, but they opened in 1985 with two games at the Fabulous Forum in L.A. They opened in 2009 with two games at the Staples Center. They were playing Magic and Kareem and Worthy and Byron Scott and that whole team. The Showtime Lakers, the, arguably the best team of the 80s. In 2009, they're playing Kobe and Paul Gasol and that team, right? And they're, they didn't have home court advantage. Like, this is a team that has a clear path, as clear a path as you can get. It's never going to be easy, but a clear path to the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history. If you blow a 2-0 lead in the second round to a team that's been together for eight minutes, that is a colossal choke job. When you talk about the path, James, an eight-seeded Timberwolves team, a four-seeded Suns team that I know is under-seeded, but still, they're the four-seed. And then the six or the seven, looking more and more like the seven in the Western Conference Finals with the L.A. Lakers. I mean, they were this close to playing the Lakers in the very first round. And now that could be the team that they have to play to get to the NBA Finals. We talk about the bracket not breaking favorably at times in sports, right? But this is the opposite. The bracket has broken very favorably for the Nuggets. Heck, the Miami Heat could come out of the say, East. They could get the eight seed out of the East in the NBA Finals. Your path to a title could be 8-4-7-8. I mean, is it ever going to break better than 8-4-7-8 to win a championship? If the Suns win this series, beat the Lakers, and then beat the Heat for the NBA title, we will look back on that more with more regret than we do 2009 when they couldn't beat Kobe and the Lakers because we always say they would have swept the Magic in the NBA They would have. That was the championship was that series. They lost in six, but multiple times in L.A. they had chances to win games late. And a bad inbounds pass by Anthony Carter, a moment here, a moment there. And, you know, they blew their chance. Back in 85, it was injury. Fat Lever misses the first two games in L.A. 
Alex English breaks his thumb in game five here, I believe, and then it just kind of got away from him. Calvin Nat, Chopper Travellini's having to come out on the court multiple times a game to help Calvin Nat just get to his feet to get to the bench because his knees were so bad. Like, it was just, hey, the, the, the fatigue and the wear and tear of the season got him that year. There's no excuse this time, Will. Everybody's healthy. Everyone. Uh, Jokic didn't get suspended. That would have been a built-in excuse for, well, you lost pivotal game five on your home court. That's why you lost the series, which would have been poppycock, but that would have been the excuse. There's none now. You're completely healthy. You're two-time MVPs there. MPJ's healthy. Murray's healthy. Like, there's no excuse. Honestly, if they can't get it done this year, then when are they going to get it done? And you certainly can't come back with everybody next year and just say, oh, we're going to give it another shot because it's not going to break this well for him next year. It's just not. Well, and I would hate for who's ever hosting on 104.3 The Fan in 2037 to say, well, there's 2009, there's 2023, and now here we are in 2037. Like, in the moment in 09, think about how different your life was. Yours, mine, everyone driving around. We didn't realize how golden an opportunity it was. And then... As the years wore on, it was always 09. Get the ball inbounds. 09, 09, 09. James, I don't want to be looking back a decade from now going 23, 23, 23. That's the moment we live in. That's tonight. And sometimes it's hard in life to realize in the moment how big of an opportunity is in front of you. But that is this game for the Denver Nuggets this evening. Well, in 2009, it had been a long time since the Nuggets had been there. It had been 24 years. But it was what year, what, six of Mellow? Yes, he was drafted in 03, the number three overall pick. You didn't think it was going to be. So it was, it, you didn't think it was going to be the last time they would get to the Western Conference Finals in Carmelo Anthony's career in Denver. You just couldn't see that coming. Well, you didn't think his wife would complain she wasn't famous enough and demand a trade, right? But it, things happen, right? Like yeah. the windows close quickly. Look at the Avs. Okay, you, you end up you don't maybe re-sign the right guys in the off season. Gabe Landeskog has you know a knee injury that's going to now keep him out for two full seasons. Val Nechuskin has Lord only knows what's going on happen to him. Their window feels not closed, but it's it's moving down, right? Like, it's it's not this. It doesn't feel like Dynasty is now the conversation with the Avs. Correct. Which it was all of last summer and most of the fall. And so, look, do I think Nikola Jokic has a lot of really good years left? I do. But weird things happen. I thought that 94 Nuggets team was going to be good for a long time. I thought David Thompson was going to have a long, great career here in Denver. Strange things happen. So, yeah, you're, you know, people always say, boy, I wish I knew it was the good old days when it was the good old days. Right. You're kind of in that moment right here with this team. Like, it's now. And they could. It's, tonight's going to go one of two ways. And they're, they're two extremes, Will. It's either becomes the ultimate choke job because if they lose tonight, I am hard-pressed to see them winning this series. It's not over, but I'm hard-pressed to see them win the series. Or somebody kind of etches their name in Nuggets lore tonight by being that guy with the clutch moment. Mm. Who goes out tonight and has 35? Who hits the big shots in the fourth quarter? Who becomes either one of the all-time greats that they're putting their number up on the rafters or at least becomes that you know kind of folk hero of – yeah, we all remember the time KCP or Bruce Brown or whoever it may be, Peyton Watson came in and held Kevin Durant to 14. Who knows what's going to happen? But something, one of those two extremes is happening tonight. Somebody's going to be the GOAT or somebody's going to be the GOAT, depending on which way you want to go with it. Two different kinds of GOATs. And Anthony Carter, a nice guy, whatever. George Carl had a lot of faith in him. And even at the time, some fans wondered why George had so much faith in AC. But you still say... Anthony Carter around Nuggets fans, 
and it's got a little bit of Raheem Moore around Broncos fans to it. There's yeah. there, there's that cringe element to it, which is unfortunate because they're they're both nice guys by all accounts. It's it's not personal, but there are just I mean Bill Buckner. There are just some people when you say the name around a fan base, it's going to bring up the bad memories. That would be the first version of the goat that you brought up. The second version of the goat, obviously Nikola Jokic, walking talking goat, but man. KCP was that dude in game two, James. He, he had the threes in the fourth quarter that they played a pretty poor three quarters of offense and still want to win. Who are you looking at tonight? And specifically, the bench, the Crayola crew, as you guys like to call them. Brown, green, green. Green, brown, brown. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, who else can get in the fold tonight? Who else can make the difference? Who else can be an X Factor? Well, I do think it's the two names that Michael Malone mentioned specifically yesterday when he was meeting with the media, and that's Peyton Watson. And look, if he can come out and for three minutes each half just harass Kevin Durant a little bit, make him work hard uh, to, to get open, to get some shots, just to give somebody else a little bit of a break and to just have some fresh legs out there, I think that would be valuable. I think Reggie Jackson could play a, a role tonight. The hometown kid. Do you put him on? And he's been a little bit of a son's killer. 2008 Mr. Basketball out of Palmer in Colorado Springs. And, and look, I'm not expecting him to come out and put in, you know, a dozen points, but a little bit like I just said about Peyton Watson. Could he come out and have, you know, four or five minutes each half? Again, give Devin Booker some fits, maybe make a couple of big shots. And here's the other thing I would I would look at him doing. I would have him bring the ball up a little bit. Mm. And how do you get, get Jamal Murray – a, a little bit of rest, and it's those five seconds standing down there waiting for the ball to come up where you're not having to work constantly on both ends of the floor. Right. That that maybe sounds trivial or sounds silly, but that guy's been exhausted in the fourth quarter of games. Yeah, and, and I want to hit on that. We keep hearing about his conditioning, his conditioning. He's been back from the ACL for six months. Jamal Murray's in really good shape. If Jamal Murray had to go hike a man or two incline tomorrow, he could do it. But you're right. It's the little moments in games that are exhausting him. Yeah. So people who want to talk about his conditioning, I don't buy that narrative. I think Jamal athlete's a world-class athlete who's in great shape. I also think Jamal Murray is working harder than anyone else on the court. And it's like he's running a marathon during each of these games, and he's at mile 23 come the fourth quarter, and he's out of gas. If you go back and watch game one, and I don't know why the Suns did this, because you, you, you watch the, the last four games against the Timberwolves where they picked up Jamal half court, three-quarter court. He had to work his butt off. The Suns didn't do that in game one, and the Nuggets won easily. Yeah. And Jamal played great, right? But he looked like a guy in the fourth quarter, both games in Phoenix. He had no legs. He just They, they were shot, and, and he wasn't making open shots. He certainly wasn't making the tough shots at that point. So you have to make his life a little bit easier. They've done it some by Nikola Jokic bringing the ball up. You've, yep. seen, you've seen that quite a bit. But somebody else from a guard standpoint has to help them. The fact that they don't have a true point guard here, you know, it, it, it's something George Carl, speaking of, of Coach Carl, has mentioned a bunch. It has bit them a little bit, but the the Nuggets need to find a way to find some relief for Jamal Murray, even when he's on the floor. It's the other thing that, that they have to try and do the opposite to Devin Booker and Kevin Durant because they get to go down and, all right, got a little bit of a break. Somebody yeah. brings the ball up. They get the ball in their spots. Like, no, you got to make them work that entire 24-second possession, not just the final 15 or 16 of it. Well, anyone who's done those high-intensity workouts knows you do those short bursts, but those little rests, even if four or five seconds can recharge the batteries, at least temporarily. It's funny, though, you bring up they don't have a backup point guard. I cringe to even mention the name. 
but it's too bad that Bones Highland would not accept his role in this town and, and just understand that he was on a championship team and he was only going to play 10, 15 minutes a night and not be the guy because Bones the person wasn't the right fit for the locker room, but Bones the basketball player they could maybe use right about now. Well, and listen, we can we don't need to get back into the debate of why he's not here. You and I did that multiple times. We have a difference of opinion. You blame Bones more. I blame Michael Malone more. Whatever. I think it takes two to tango. Both were at fault to some degree. I do remember, though, at the time saying, hey, there is going to be a game or two during a playoff run when you got to win 16 times where that guy would be the difference between winning and losing. Mm. And the example was, hey, look back at the abs run, right? Yeah, McKinnon was great. McCarr was great. Randon was great. But it was the Darren Helms of the world. It was guys like that having their moments. Cogliano. Exactly. And it's like, all right, the Nuggets seem to have somebody that could do that. Game four, game three, if they had somebody who hit one or two shots, they could have won either one of those games. You know, we'll never know, but maybe. I certainly think this team right now, if we were saying, hey, who could come off the bench who hasn't played and maybe give them a spark, would you feel better about Bones Highland or Reggie Jackson? Bones the basketball player. Correct. Yeah. Now, the veteran part of it maybe makes you think Reggie a little bit. The immaturity of Bones and would the moment be too big? But he had. they only played five playoff games last year. He had a couple of moments against the Warriors. We're like, okay. He popped the top off Ball Arena. What was that in game four? He didn't, where he was pulling up from the logo? Yeah. He didn't seem overwhelmed by the situation. In fact, he seemed like one of the few guys on that roster who were willing to go right into the buzzsaw that was the Warriors a year ago. Yeah, it would be better. But listen, it's crying over spilt milk here. I, I think at this point now it's, all right, well, you, you decided this is the roster you wanted, Calvin Booth and Michael Malone. You better find somebody because if Michael Malone just trots out the same eight guys, and the same rotation and the same paint by numbers. Oh, that's going to be frustrating. And it doesn't work unless they're up twenty. Then I wouldn't fault him. But if but if it's the same eight in a close game and Phoenix goes on a twelve-two run in the two and a half minutes, Jokic is on the bench. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah, didn't it, we learn our lesson in games three and four? We can't do this. You know, there's a there's a bunch of different variations. They could stick to this current plan and it works fine. Nobody's going to say anything. It, I would I would probably sit there and say, well, okay, then. You and I could go coach game six if we're just going to do the same thing all the time. Or home court is just that valuable. Or it is. Because it's worked maybe. all three games in Denver and it hasn't worked the two in Phoenix. Maybe. And, okay, I'll, I'll buy that. Or or it's, hey, we don't change anything and, it, and it's, it doesn't work again. That is the ultimate sin. If you don't change anything and you lose, shame on you. If you change something and it doesn't work, at least you tried. If you change something and it does work, you look like a genius. I'm really curious to see what Michael Malone does tonight. I, I, I'm not confident that he's going to outmaneuver Monty Williams. I think Monty Williams has done a nice job, especially after Chris Paul got injured. But we, uh, we shall see. On, the, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important do you buy into the, the role players play better at home thing? I, I know it's some, but is it 10? Like, man, home court is all the difference in the world for KCP and Bruce Brown and Christian Brown and, and Jeff Green or is it like a one of, hey, it's still the same size basketball court. It's still five on five. These dudes should be able to play whether they're in Denver, whether they're in Phoenix. I think it's like a seven or an eight. I, I do too. I, I think I, it's significant. I buy into it, and I just think it's that it's that roar of the crowd when they get going. It's the momentum thing. When somebody's hit two or three in a row and you can just feel it in a building, just watching whether you're there or you're at home, you can you just feel like the shot's going to go in. 
Whereas on the road, it takes a different kind of personality to hit that same exact shot in the same hoop and the same height when everybody's pulling against you, yep. right? You're you're trying to overcome that vibe and that mojo. I put a lot of stock into it. I expect those guys to be better tonight for the Nuggets. Michael Malone is meeting with the media right now. A very interesting quote in his pregame press conference says, the Nuggets won't win this series unless they level up their transition defense. Here's the quote, James. This is telling. We are jogging and they are sprinting. That's his assessment of the transition defense right now. I actually agree with the coach there because there's times where you'll see Booker and his defender even at half court, and then all of a sudden Booker's getting a layup while the defender's at the free throw line. That's because one guy's sprinting and one guy's jogging. I don't necessarily disagree with all of that. I do think, though, it begs the question, well, why are they jogging, right? Like, if you're jogging, then you should come sit next to the coach and get a rest, and we'll give some. We'll put somebody out there who who isn't jogging, and I also feel like that's completely taking all the blame off of the defensive strategy that the coaches put together and putting it all on the players. We're jogging. That's why they gave up 129 points. It's because they were jogging. I mean, what were the fast break points in that game? I'll take a look, but it, 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 it did feel that way, James. It, it felt at times the Suns were, the Suns were, you know, holding down the turbo button in the video game, and the Nuggets couldn't find theirs. I, I did get that feeling. Okay, but why was Shamit wide open for four threes in the fourth quarter? Well, their rotations were poor, and there were some double teams that didn't it was, execute it was, correctly. It, it was yeah, it was it was a poor strategy. It was a poor strategy. So mm, that, that was I'd a, rather have Landry Shamit beat me than Devin Booker. I just would. All right, but either way, you're getting beat. That wasn't a jogging in transition. I just think, man, Michael Malone very conveniently finds ways to just chuck everybody else under the bus. I think that's a motivating thing. Yeah, because he's been such a master class of pushing buttons by accusing his team of quitting. That one doesn't worry you a little bit? That that doesn't worry you a little bit that it's like, we're going to keep doing what we've been doing. We just need to go out and hustle more. Like, why do you have... No, because I think, have, what he, I think what he told the media, he told his team an hour ago. Why do you have 17 coaches to come up with, we need to, we need to stop jogging? That's, your, that's what you have all these guys in the, in the maroon zip-ups for? By the way, fast break points were 20 to 10 in game four. Okay, so it was 10 points. But it was they 20 lost by out of one, five last time I checked. It was 20 out of 129. Made the, the difference. The other 109 points were a bigger problem. All right, coming up next, there was major avalanche news today. Both on Gabriel Landeskog and the fact, first time after 17 days, management has made some comments on Valeria Nichushkin. It's Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. I promise we will get to the avalanche, but oh boy, do we have a fun and somewhat infuriating story brewing out of Ball Arena. There's no somewhat about it, Will. Things just got ramped up. And any thought of, hey, let's be nice. Let's not show Matt Ishbia on the screen tonight. Let's take the high road. Nope. Over. So here's what has happened in literally the last five minutes. This came down during the commercial break. We started noticing on Twitter that Matt Ishbia is not only courtside at the moment at Ball Arena, number one villain in this series, but the owner of the Suns has brought a special guest with him. And he brought... One of the most disliked former coaches in the state of Colorado. Matt Ishbia is accompanied by Midnight Mel Tucker, the head coach of Michigan State who abandoned CU in the middle of the night, literally took a private plane to East Lansing to ditch the buffs. Down courtside, Matt Ishbia knows what he's doing. 
This is a gigantic troll move, and I encourage every fan in that building to boo Matt Ishbia and Mel Tucker out of out of Denver. Yeah, right to jail right away. Mel Tucker. I mean, look, if you want to leave for greener pastures, and the contract he got in uh, at Michigan State, and then the new deal he's gotten, like, I get it, I understand it. You don't have to lie about it, right, to people's faces. That that was the issue that uh, that everyone had. That and look, we're all he was here for a year. You feel a little spurned, right? Like that's natural. But I think people would have got over that. It was the the blatant lie to your face that 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 he did over and over and over again that became the issue. He went to the Denver Country Club at seven o'clock with donors that night. Yeah. And was on a jet to East Lansing four hours later. There's no way Matt Ishbia doesn't know exactly what he's doing there. Mel Tucker could have easily gone to one of the games in Phoenix. Why is he breaking him out here in Denver? Because he knows he's a one of the most loathed people in the state of Colorado in terms of sports figures. So great. You want to you wanna up the ante, Matt? Okay. Nuggets fans can bring it tonight. They should boo mercilessly. We just got our first video of Nikola Jokic emerging from the tunnel, and he walks right past Matt Ishbia and Mel Tucker courtside. Jokic, no acknowledgement of Ishbia, and Ishbia in his little seat has to stare up at Joker Trying to make some eye contact. Joker wants no business of it. James, we need, like, some WWF music. Like, this is getting me fired up, man. Yeah, no, the series has gotten good, right? Like, it's one of the beauties of... Crank that, KJ. Baseball, hockey, and basketball playoffs is when you play a seven-game series, a multiple-game series against teams, you start to just have those people that you dislike. There becomes the storylines that you just didn't expect. Right? Like, think back to every series the Nuggets have played in the last four or five years, whether it was against Portland, whoever. There was, uh, San Antonio, they won that series. It's like, man, there's guys that get under your skin. They, well, we got it now because Kevin Durant is pretty hard to dislike. He's a great player. It, it, Devin Booker, to some extent, is hard to dislike. Chris Paul was easy to dislike, but he's only played a game and a half. We now got the number one villain. This is akin to showing up tonight with, Josh McDaniels? Like, who would be worse? Who would be worse to show up with? If you don't know the background, they're both Spartans. Matt Ishbia was the big booster that essentially gave Mel Tucker the 10-year, $95 million contract extension. Great investment, That he is completely underachieved with. Mel Tucker losing his best quarterback, losing his wide receiver. Mel Tucker, not that great a coach after all. And, And James, you're right. It's like bringing McDaniels with you, man. There are not many bigger villains in Denver sports than Josh McDaniels, but Mel Tucker, for our our friends up in Boulder, he's in that conversation. There's that passion around Midnight Mel Tucker. Again, Ishbia knows exactly what he's doing, and anyone who thinks, oh, it was just a heat of the moment and he wasn't thinking straight. Now this guy's cool, he's calm, he's calculated, and he brought Mel Tucker with him tonight to get in the head of 18,000 people or 20,000 people at Ball Arena. And again, I encourage you to boo those two men at the top of your lungs. It's funny, though. Like, it's a little bit like trying to troll Russell Wilson with his ex-wife. Like, he ma- he's married to Sierra now, right? Like, he's doing fine. Buffs fans aren't worried about Mel Tucker anymore. Now, I'd boo him. If he walked in the room, I'd boo him. But the Buffs are better off. I don't know if, if Deion Sanders is going to go 5-7 and seven in year one like Mel Tucker did. I don't really care. The program is at such a higher level in terms of interest and people go. I mean, Mel Tucker didn't get 45,000 people at a spring game. So uh, 
Buffs fans are better off. They're better off that Midnight Mel bailed in the in the middle of the night and lied to everybody. Yeah, they I hope are. they enjoy their four and eight at Michigan State next year in this contract that is a nightmare. Right, right. That Matt Ishbia, you know, born on third base, headed toward home, decided to give this guy. Yeah, it is a uh, it is definitely a troll move by Matt Ishbia. There's part of me that tips my cap of hey, okay, you want to ramp it up? You you found a way to try to ramp it up, but uh, yeah, I think any sort of hey, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's all just take the high road. Let's all move on. I think that is gone by the wayside. That is a man. Talk about making yourself public enemy number one. Welcome to the table, Matt Ishbia. The 8607 makes a great point on the RamosLaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. Someone needs to go pick up Prime and get his butt to ball arena. (laughs) Now that would be fantastic. Let's get Prime in the building tonight. Or if he's not in the building, that's something that the, the folks around the scoreboard could do. Just put up videos and in, 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 in Prime's photo. Just that, That's how you troll Mel Tucker back. Just, here's Prime. Here's how we're better off. Yeah, you abandoned us. And we had some rough years under Carl Durrell. But we're back, baby. Exactly. Man, Prime in the building tonight would be the perfect answer. What about Mel Tucker accepting the invitation? Because not only does Matt Ishbia knows what, know what he's doing, Mel Tucker knows exactly what he's doing tonight. He's not welcome among these parts. Yeah, you know what? That might even be the bigger jerk move. Right? Like, I see what Matt Ishby is trying to do. He's trying to get under the skin of Nuggets fans. Okay. he's He's got a vested interest in that. Mel Tucker accepting the invitation and not just going, hey, man, I appreciate it, but I don't know if that's the best move for me. I, I You know, I already have done enough damage in those parts. I don't need to just keep adding fuel to the fire. That's a guy who just is te- you know what he's telling everybody? I don't care that I did you dirty. Oh, Mel Tucker's flipping double birds to every no doubt. CU fan right now, every person who bleeds black and gold, and even the casual fans of Colorado. I'm, I'm not a CU alum. I'm not a huge buff fan. But even this is ticking me off right now, that Mel Tucker's here. Yeah, no, it's it's adding to it for sure. And you're right. It does give a little WWE type of vibe to it. I am, I've been in you know on pins and needles all day, stomach and knots a little bit. I mean, anxious for the game. Now it's just moved into fired up. Let's go. James, it's 640. This thing's not going to tip till 815, 820. Last time I checked, they got helicopters in Boulder. If you have to, put Prime <laughs> on one and get him down here. I've been on the ball arena roof. There's enough room to land a chopper. Wait, so now you're proposing that Josh and Stan get themselves a, a helicopter. I'm sure they could. Get it up to Boulder, pick up Prime, and bring him back. Land him on the roof in the first quarter and have Rocky go up and get him and trot him in because there is a door at the very top of Ball Arena yeah. that goes from the last row to the roof. Have him come in the last row of Ball Arena that way. That would be pretty epic. The text line's having a field day with this, James. I mean, when we both saw this, we both had a strong reaction. Yeah. But the more this sets in, the biggest villain just showed up with another huge villain. I mean, this is this is truly... I want the attention on me. I'm Matt Ishby. I've been in this league for two minutes, and I want to be Vince McMahon. I want to be Mark Cuban. I'm inserting myself into the story rather than just letting my players play. I, I pushed back on you last night a little bit on that narrative of, you know, I, I think it was just, you know, you could give him the benefit of the doubt. You could say he just got caught up in the moment. You could say, hey, it's a little bit of a natural reaction. But I think what he's doing tonight completely validates your opinion on it and your point on it that, yeah, he does want to be a part of the story. And th- this is, this is evidence to the fact. So great. That's fine. Let's, let's make the, let's make the owner a part of the story. 
and let's go send him home disappointed tonight. He and Mel Tucker can both go home with a take that L on your way out would be the great response tonight by the Nuggets. Wow, man. And I love Jokic walking past the two of them right out, ready to go. What do you think Jokic is going for tonight real quick? Well, I think that I think the Suns are going to stick with their plan of we're not going to double him. I think he's 40-plus again tonight. See, I think it's like 29, 18, and 14. He's also averaging 41 and a half since he did not win the MVP. <sighs> That's only two games, but still. Man, all right, this game just got some more juice. Coming up next, we will put our final predictions on it, and I promise we will get to Gabe Landeskog and Valdenchuski. But take that L on the way out. Her reports at Ball Arena, this one from Jenna Garcia. Nicole Jokic just walked up to Suns owner Matt Ishbia after his pregame workout. Joker said, what's up? Tossed Ishbia the ball in his hands. We've got video from Tim McMahon. I believe he's from ESPN. Joker's got jokes. James, you can see Jokic tossing the ball to Ishbia, makes him catch it, dabs him up, and then walks off. And then nerd Ishbia looks all awkward and rolls the ball back to the middle of the court. Yeah, they actually just showed it on TNT as well. And the uh, the, the crew at, uh, at the studio in Atlanta got a good chuckle out of it. Uh, good for Jokic, right? Like, you know, if you just ignore the fact that the guy is there, it's pretty obvious you're trying to ignore him. Just kind of call him out. See how he's going to react when you put him on the spot. And Ishbia didn't quite know what to do. So, yeah, it's uh, it's gotten good and keeps getting better. Wow. All right. Well, uh, I'll go ahead and put this uh, video on my Twitter at Peterson Will if uh, people want to check it out of Nikola Jokic brilliantly trolling Suns owner Matt Ishbia, who, if you're just tuning in, brought Mel Tucker with him, one of the biggest villains in Colorado sports history, to sit courtside with him, knows exactly what he's doing. But, James... We are going to get to the avalanche briefly here because we've been promising that for a half hour now. Uh, the news today, two pieces of news. First of all, Gabriel Landeskog out for the 2023-24 season. He's getting cartilage placed in his knee. I don't know if that's from a cadaver or his own cartilage, but a last-ditch effort, James, to not save this knee from a life perspective, but save this knee from a hockey perspective. And although Gabe Landeskog said he did not contemplate retirement, it's very fair to ask if he will ever play uh, hockey in the NHL or, or for the Avalanche again. Well, I mean, the move actually makes sense, right? Like, he injured the knee originally in the bubble. That's in 2020. It's gotten worse since then. It got to the point this year where he never did come back, wasn't able to skate, wasn't able to do that. So it's like, well, what... Why would you believe an offseason would, would change anything and would make it any better? Yeah. So you might as well try this, right? Like uh, the other option was hope. Hope that time heals all wounds. And in this instance, it didn't seem to be. So I, I think that's smart. I have a lot of faith in modern medicine in terms of these kind of things. So I, I don't think it's as dire as some people think. I think it's a long recovery. I've seen everywhere from 12 to 18 months. I think Gabe mentioned a possibility of being back next year for the playoffs. He did not rule that out today because someone asked him, I believe it was Peter Baugh, the athletic, I was on the Zoom, and he said, you've only talked about the regular season. What about the playoffs? And Gabe said, I'm not going to shut the door on that yet. So could he be back essentially a year from now? Okay. But it is. it was a little bit of a jolt today. It's a little bit shocking to see that a guy is out for next season when this season still hasn't even gotten close to ending for the teams that are still in the playoffs. There's still eight teams that could win. I mean, they're the in the second Cup. round, and, yeah. and he's already out for next year. 
that was a little bit of a kick to the gut. But, you know, hopefully he hopefully it works for him. Hopefully he's able to get back. And hopefully he, you know, made this move at the right time. There's no reason to wait. Again, you might as well jump on it. So good for him as opposed to, you know, trying to give it three or four months to rest and then it's not responding again. And now you're just even more behind the eight ball here. So let's cross our fingers and hope it works out. The other piece of news, Chris McFarlane, Avalanche GM, meets with the media today to talk about Gabe. But it's the first time we've heard from him since the season ended. He gets three or four questions about Valeri Nachushkin. Started with the no comment, no comment, same as Jared Bednar. Here's the most interesting thing that the uh, Avalanche media did a good job of getting out. Bennett, I can't comment on anything Val-related other than to say he he was a very important part of our team in the past, and we hope, you know, that's our our hope that he's going to be a very important part of our team in the future for sure. Literally the most we've gotten out of the Avs, we hope, hope he'll be a very important part of our team in the future. Sort of the first indication, James, that Valeri Nachushkin could be in their plans, but it wasn't a slam dunk from McFarland. Hey, we're going to put this behind us, and you'll see him at training camp. No, and you also, you know, you start trying to connect the dots when you don't get any information, and, and it's natural to start saying, well, what could it be that you're not able to comment on it? Right? Like, there are 17 a, days. There aren't Still a, can't comment. There aren't a lot of things that fall into that category, right? Like, you know, for you, me, and, you know, the average working Joe, health stuff falls into that. But HIPAA doesn't seem to really apply to professional athletes. We just heard t- today about one of his teammates having knee cartilage replacement surgery. That's yeah. what the entire press conference was about, right? So the privacy on medical stuff kind of goes out the window. It, 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 it's a mystery. 17 days is a long time to keep a secret. It's going to come out at some point, and man, I, I, the, your imagination just starts running wild when you have press conferences like today. It really does. Yeah, and it was the first time management had to address it. Again, I give the Avalanche beat writers credit because it was no comment, no comment, no comment. It was, listen, dude, we need some sort of comment. Yeah. You don't have to tell me where he is. You don't have to tell me what's going on. But I think fans deserve to know, will he be a part of this team moving forward? And that's not 100% right now, which, again, tells you, it ain't good. What I, I mean, there's a police report. There's a 911 transcript. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, we have both those. All right, James. What a fun hour. Let's go. Man. Let's go. Let's go. Matt Ishbia shows up with Midnight Mel Tucker. Nicole Jokic tro- throws him the ball. Ultimate troll. Who you got tonight? Oh, I got the Nuggets. I think it's going to be a close game, but I got the Nuggets. You? Maybe I'm letting it all come to me right now because I'm all fired up. Nuggets big, baby. Give me the Nuggets by 25. For KJ, for James, I'm Will. Denver Sports Station 104.3, The Fan.